Hello everyone, this is Farida Kelfa. Today I'm talking to Egyptian-American actor Rami Malek. He's played the part of Elliot in the series Mr. Robot, Freddie Mercury in the film Bohemian Rhapsody, and lately Lucifer Safin in the James Bond film No Time to Die. He has won many awards and he is the first actor of Egyptian heritage to win the Academy Awards for his role in Bohemian Rhapsody. Bonjour, Rami. Welcome. You are our first male guest in this podcast series. Oh, I, I am very aware. <laughs> Bo bonjour, Farida. It's such a, a privilege to be with you on this podcast. I must say, I'm a little intimidated being the first male because uh, this is, of course, a conversation of the utmost importance. Thank you. Thank you very much. So why is it so important for you to be here with us? I'm sitting down thinking how, because it's it's an intimidating experience to be here. I don't have all the answers. So I sat with my partner and I thought, hey, ask a woman. And I would implore any man out there, rather than trying to come up with the answers, just ask. Yeah. Ask, and then you can work towards it. Learn. There's so much educating we need to do. I don't know why is it uh, intimidating for you to, to speak about... Because this is, a, you know, it's... A man coming into a woman's perspective podcast and being the first one, it's, uh, I, I would love for this to be a, a more comfortable experience and something that we get used to. But it, yeah, it's difficult to talk about the female experience yeah. as a man, simply. Yeah. yeah. You know, come off, you, you can easily come off being like, what, you have no idea, man. You have no <laughs> idea. Am I right? Maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. But sometimes it's good to hear what, what men think, you know. I do think it's very important that the conversation about women is not just held by women. We need to hold ourselves accountable. My whole life I've been learning the most from the women in my life. From, from My mom has set the best example. I mean, the, the work my sister put into becoming an emergency room doctor in one of the toughest cities in the U.S. has been one of the most inspiring examples that one could ask for. So uh, I keep looking to the, the women in my life that have inspired me throughout for answers, for direction, and to hold myself accountable and to hold others accountable. But in, in the space of, of work, you know, it's... I'm just aware that it's not for us to come in and save the day. It's for us to help pull down those barriers that men have put up in the first place. I want to do the work and I want people to look at me and say, hey, you know, here is someone that we identify with and perhaps trust and maybe even look up to saying that things aren't right. We have to change them. And it comes from not just people at the top, but oh. in every facet of when you go to work, You know, letting your voice be heard about the necessity for parity and equality and actively being a feminist. Okay. You said in an interview, why not step out into the world and be exactly who you want to be? So what do you mean by that? I think oftentimes we're just waiting for someone's permission to be who we are, what they think we should be. And so I thought... Yeah, don't wait for permission or validation to, to be who you are. Just go out and do it. Yeah, 
So you knew who you wanted to be at a very young age or? I didn't know. I think I thought I had something special in me. I couldn't quite figure it out. But yeah, I didn't quite fit in. Uh, I was an unusual that you couldn't put me into this, you know, the sports, the popular people. Why not? I was actually quite shy. Mm. Yeah. I remember when, when I was starting to discover Freddie Mercury and I, I would watch all of the, the phenomenal work he did on stage and I would listen to the lyrics and, and realize, oh, he was so shy. He had a bit of loneliness going on in his heart. And so there was one side that was an introvert and one side that was an extrovert. And yeah, I, at school, I just, uh, I didn't know how to come assimilate the popular, the cool people. Um, but I knew I could do something that possibly they were not capable of doing. I just didn't know what it was yet. So it took me a while. But I think once you know that there's that spark inside of you, just trust it. You think you were shy because of your origin or it's just you? Uh, is your brother like you or your sister? Or You know, my sister is, is her name is... Yasmin, she was born Yasmin, and in America they called her Jasmine, oh. and now she's she's asked people to call her Yasmin again to re, you know revert back. Oh. My name is Rami, and they my kids thought that my name would rhyme with my brother's name Sammy, so it was Sammy and Rami. So for the first 12 years, people were calling me a name that wasn't my name, and to go home with that and have your parents respond with your real name, it really. Excuse me, but it really grooves oh. with your head. So I, I got to a point where I, you know, luckily high school, I said, no, I'm going to go by Rami. No one's going to call me Rami. But for me, it, you know, when, it, when Americans can't pronounce it the right way because they think it should just rhyme, oh. it starts to alter your psychology of how you're identifying with who you are. And uh, it just, for, for me, it felt a little bit belittling in, in a way. And that's just like a, you know, a microcosm of what so many people feel beyond that living in this country who are not straight white men and women across the world. You just get, you get a taste of, of being different and less than being an Egyptian American. Why did your parents come to America? It's, it's a good question. I think there are times they, I've heard oftentimes them They, they ask themselves, why did we come here? Because, there, you know, there is such a great culture in Egypt and, you know, friendship and family that are so close and it can be so disparate here. But I honestly think it was, it was quite a selfless act knowing that we would have an opportunity for a future. And, you know, my, my brother, my twin brother, he's a teacher here. He's influencing kids in Hollywood in Los Angeles. My sister lives in D.C. She's an ER doctor. And, you know, watching her go through medical school, uh, you know, I believe in the U.S. it's it's somewhere around 60% male to 30 to 40, 65 to 35% male to female doctors. And so we're seeing her go through that experience was something that I think gave them great fulfillment, knowing that we were going to have the possibility of doing something special. I remember my father kept saying that to me as a kid, just be, 
we came here for you guys to do something special. So that was always ingrained in us. Because that's what you did. <laughs> uh, I think the three of us have done, yeah, done okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's inspiring to know that you know they put their lives on the line, their future on the line, to allow us to have some success. And of course, yeah, they they want you to become a lawyer or a doctor, and they've worked so hard to get you to an environment where you could do that. And someone says, um, actually, I want to go into art, and I want to be an actor, and it's not the first thing they want to hear. But she was extremely supportive. My father took him a little bit longer, but they, they both became supportive. Did you start with theater? I had an extraordinary teacher in in Judy Weldon in high school who she would just she went beyond the parameters of her job she had such drive and passion she was one of those teachers who just put in all the effort and she recognized something in me and helped me gain a certain confidence that told me I can actually I could do this if I wanted to I started with theater and went to a, a school in Evansville, Indiana, and left Los Angeles to go to the middle of the country because I saw a great Shakespeare play there when I was visiting the school. And I knew I wouldn't be comfortable in that place. And that's the first time I realized something great can come out of uncomfortability. And it did. I learned, I learned quite a bit from that experience and then went off to New York and did theater there and struggled for years, came back to Los Angeles, and I had a casting director named Mally Finn, uh, who's no longer with us. God bless her soul, she is an icon. She cast Titanic and a number of other films, and she looked at me and said, I think you should stay in Los Angeles. And I said, okay, if you're telling me to stay, I'll stay. And throughout my career, I have had the help of some of the most incredible casting directors, the majority of whom are women. And uh, I don't think they get the credit that they deserve in this industry because they do so much of the work that a director needs to facilitate their film. Okay. Your first roles were very stereotypical. Voilà. (laughs) (laughs) Your first role were very stereotypical, but you got fed up with this. Why? It's simple. I I felt like I was perpetuating this idea that people from my background are all these horrific humans. And that's just not the example that I wanted to set. I knew I had something unique to share, and that just wasn't it. And if I was going to get pigeonholed into something like that, then the idea of acting just wasn't worth it. And I thought, If I did have some success in my life, I would want to set an example that we are much more than that. But it it was risky for your career, no? It was risky in the sense that I had to build a career and, and you know you have to have something on your resume. And at that time, those were the only roles that were going to give me any credits. But I thought, take a chance on me. I, I said, if, if it's not going to work out in the proper way where I can really do something special and say something with my, my work, then uh, I'll find something else to do. Not worth it. Very, very interesting. You challenge how men are represented on screen. Why is it important to you? I think I was just always aware of, of you know, building space for people who are just not straight white men. And, you know, 
for me, there was an opportunity to do that in that show, Mr. Robot. When I was in the casting session with a guy named Sam Esmail, I said, Sam Ismail, I think. <laughs> Is that your real? <laughs> that I put it together. I said, he's you know, definitely someone I can assimilate with. I later found out that he was Egyptian. Oh. And it was an opportunity. I thought, oh, I'm never going to play the lead in this. I'll just come in and do the audition. But when I looked at him and I said, wait, that's the director. That's the writer as well. I do have a chance. And it opened my eyes to the opportunity that things could change. And I do believe that, that there was a radical change in that moment with that television series where you saw someone from the Arab community helming a show and the lead actor in it being Egyptian as well, changing the game for what we thought a director and a leading man would look like. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was a means in, to, to investigate a world and start to challenge it and say, okay, what is the norm? How can we alter the norm? And uh, here's an example. And I think just for me, it's great to talk about it, but leading by what you do is, is the best way to affect change. And uh, what are characters that as an actor you dream of playing? I love playing extraordinary humans in extraordinary situations. I think Elliot from Mr. Robot was one. Freddie Mercury, of course, was one. I have this dream of playing Buster Keaton, who he revolutionized, Buster Keaton revolutionized film. And uh, I think sometimes we discard and forget these incredible spirits, and I, lo I love to reawaken them in some way. But... You know, I never know what's going to hit at any moment. I never thought I was going to play Freddie Mercury. I didn't mm -hmm. know that I was capable of that. But when the moment strikes and you know it's right, you just always go with your gut. Oh. But, you know, in, this, in the time we've had, the last couple of years, you realize the importance of entertainment. I think uh, sometimes things can be just escapism, which we absolutely need. And, and sometimes we need to rediscover people's stories. But for me, if I can inspire someone through the work I do, that's one of the ultimate fulfillments. Good. Uh, did you ever work with a, a female director? I have, yes. Her name is Sarah Adina Smith. And she hadn't done much work, but the few pieces I saw of hers were uniquely special and I just wanted to get involved with her and uh, without even having an entire script and just from that person I realized you're a true leader she was someone who could operate a camera if she wanted to she knew every facet of filmmaking at such a young age and yeah I, I, I always go with my gut and that's someone who uh, I've always been rooting for since then and had an extraordinary experience with. I had an experience working with Paul Thomas Anderson on this film called The Master. I had a small part, but I, I just loved watching Amy Adams' work. Her work ethic was just second to none. and She was just a, a joy to be around and someone at, at the top of their game. And I think when you're on set, there are so many hurdles for women and you can see it. You can see the relationship that a director has. A director, which we often think, again, is a man, has with an actor who... Yeah, of course, is a man. But when a, a woman interjects her ideas, it's almost like they have to Trojan horse that thought 
to get some director to believe that it was their own. Whereas the, the male voice on set is so readily available and listened to. And uh, you have someone like Amy Adams who has that ability to engage in a way with a director who listens immediately. And so she always gave me this kind of feeling that, oh, we could all be on the same level because it's it's not. It hopefully will be one day, but it's more difficult for an actress to get her thoughts across to a director than an actor. There's no question about it. So uh, I always felt inspired watching her. She's a great actress, of course. And Nadine Lebecki, of course, she's yeah. a, she's incredible. She's a force, not an. Uh, she acts, yeah. Yeah, she, she acts. acts. She's a great actress too. Yeah, she's a great director. Great director, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the world has been curated for men to succeed the most, you know. And even when women succeed, it, it's men who essentially will still succeed the most. And for women, that's exhausting. Yeah, and that's just got to end. Yes. So do you think you can you can be an ally with uh, women in the cinema industry? Of course. Of course. And I try to be in every opportunity. And I, I have these discussions with my partner, who's an actor as well. And I don't have all the answers. I'm constantly asking her because she is so awake to all of this. And one thing that, that she's brought to my attention is that what I think we have to do as men is to to knock down the barriers that our own gender has put up. That's it. It's not about it's not about coming in and you know trying to save the day for everybody. It's just it goes back to that building space for people who are not that norm of straight white men or men being much more inclusive, bringing equity equal equity to all. But do you think as a man you still have barriers with women that you have to 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 break or I don't think I I do personally, but I you know, you see it on set and I think for myself I'm I think we need to get to a place where when we think of director we shouldn't think it's just a man. I think when you look behind a, a camera, you can see a male or a female, and that shouldn't be rare to see someone who's a woman operating a camera or doing all these other facets that, you know, predominantly are male jobs. There's not quite the opportunity for women that there needs to be. It just it needs to be equal, and it's not at this point. And it takes real leadership to step in those positions when you're making films and say, Hey, this has this is the way it should look. It should represent the way the world we live in is. And right now it doesn't. So we really need to make space for people who are not the typical male operating in this business. I'm working on something right now and uh, I, I very much think that it will reflect the world that we live in. I will have um, you know, people who look like you and me involved in every aspect. Um I hope to incorporate as many female voices as possible uh, in front of and behind the camera as well. And, uh, you know, that's an opportunity for change from a leadership position, which I think I now can have. Do you have a favorite saying or motto that you tell uh, to yourself or others? Something you can share with our listeners. I'm, I'm more 
a believer in action than words. So, you know, everything is in action. Everything is in example. So I would say don't just think about being helpful. Be active. So thank you very much, Rami. Thank you for your time and your answer. That was great. It's, it's been a pleasure. Women's Perspectives is a podcast produced by Cartier, hosted by me, Farida Kelfa, created and produced by Human Humans, original music, sound design, and mixing by Palomino. Special thanks to Rami Malek. <laughs> <laughs>